Hello, FCS Nation. It's time for your show. I'm your host, Kevin Marshall. I'm coming to you from my house this week. I have caught the COVID-19, even though it has 19 after it, Lebanowitz, and it's 23. It finally caught up to me, brother. I mean, it just was a matter of time, right? I mean, the way you move and the speed that you move with, it was just about uh, the time you caught a nice little COVID-19. I love it. Well, we got an awful lot of games to get to and a short time to get there. Let's just get right to it, Lebanowitz. Up first, number one, South Dakota State, 41, Northern Iowa, six. This was complete domination by the number one ranked team in FCS. Jackrabbits rolled up 460 yards of total offense. And their defense held the Panthers at just 264. Nothing new for the Jacks, Cav. This is what uh, we should just expect for them week in, week out. Uh, to drop 41 on you and I, I think, was expected for them. But honestly, I thought it was a, a lot of points. Uh, I thought you and I was going to be able to keep this game close. But we're starting to learn. And, and we know what it's like in Brookings that playing in that hostile environment is not easy for anybody. And it wasn't easy for the Panthers. Quarterback Mark Gronowski completed 21 passes for 291 yards and three touchdowns. Isaiah Davis added 103 on the ground with one touchdown. Number two, Montana State 59, Cal Poly 19. Complete effort from all three phases for the Bobcats. 578 yards of total offense, a punt return touchdown, and a blocked punt. Quarterback Sean Chambers ran for 91 yards and three touchdowns on just four carries. Stone, that's pretty good, right? Quarterback Tommy Mallott returned to action for the first time since that South Dakota State game that you and I were at, and he was seven of nine passing for 92 yards and two touchdowns. Mallott ran for another score. Those seem like pretty good percentages to me for Chambers running the ball for touchdowns and Malott throwing the ball for touchdowns. Yeah, they're a really good collaboration. Uh, again, that's not saying anything wise or anything that you know fans don't already know. Those two, when they're playing in sync, that's a hard team to beat. And I will say this, as far as putting a spicy take out there, I do think Montana State has looked stronger with their schedule than South Dakota State in their schedule. So Montana State's a force to be reckoned with right now. If I'm any team around the subdivision and we're starting to put out these playoff predictions and predicting what seeds will be where and who's going to travel where, Montana State's the team that I do not want to see right now. Number 20, Montana 23. Number three, Idaho 21. I was at this one, watched the entire thing from the sideline and the Kibbe Dome was as advertised, y'all. That place was L-O-U-D loud. The Grizz jumped out ahead and made Idaho chase them all evening, Stone. And the Grizz quarterback, Clifton McDowell, who we may hear from in just a couple of minutes, I think, was outstanding. 11 of 18 for 176 yards and one long touchdown pass to Junior Bergen. Running back Eli Gilman added 84 yards on the ground. And the Montana defense really got after Vandals quarterback, Giovanni McCoy, sacking him six times. This was a signal victory for the Montana Grizzlies. All of that was beautifully said, Kev. And last week, you were warning people, don't kick the ball to Junior Bergen. Well, I think you also should have been screaming, hey, don't let them throw the ball to Junior Bergen. I mean, that kid's a force. He had 118 yards out of 176 that Clifton McDowell had total. That was total. So almost like 80% of his yards were to Junior Bergen. Yeah, I'm going to have a chance to sit down with Clifton McDowell. There's so many things that I want to ask him, whether it was from playing in the Kibbe Dome or, you know, where you feel like your team is and what identity you guys have right now and how much you guys have Bobby Houck's back. All of those things I'm going to ask Clifton because what he was on Saturday was nothing short of phenomenal. 60% in the conversion department for third downs. He was a problem. He kept them, uh, he kept Idaho at arm's length just by what he was doing behind center. I think they found their guy. I'm 
I'm excited to have a chat with him. But that's an insane victory over Idaho. Absolutely nobody predicted it. I think more people picked Idaho slaughtering Montana than they did a close game. So this was awesome for Montana, and it bodes well for that locker room, too. Number five, Furman, 27, Sanford, 21. This game was not as close as the scoreboard showed it to be. Furman used a dominant rushing attack and Tyler Huff's right arm and a defense that sacked Sanford QB Michael Hires nine, count them, nine times to win a key road Southern Conference game. Huff was 19-28 passing for 205 yards and a touchdown, and he also rushed the ball 17 times for 96 yards. Huff is tough. That should be on a t-shirt, my friends. Running back Dominic Roberto ran for 128 yards on 18 carries with a touchdown. Linebacker Evan DiMaggio and defensive end Jack Barton combined for four and a half of those nine sacks. They got after Sanford on the defensive side of the ball, Abanowitz. Furman at no point was sweating during this ball game. I thought Sanford had a chance. I picked Sanford and, you know, you lose the game by six, you end up covering the spread, which was six and a half by the time the ball was kicked off. Furman, I mean, we're talking about our number three team in the country. Yes, that is our poll, but they look like the number three team in the country and a lot of people can't accept that they're coming out of the SoCon but they're a complete football team what they do in the trenches offensively and defensively Huff is a leader this team the entire coaching staff is behind him so look out for Furman again that's not saying anything anybody already doesn't know they're a top five team in the country but look out for Furman seriously number 16 North Dakota 49 number seven North Dakota State 24 Stone as a former Missouri Valley football conference quarterback I'm gonna give you the floor here what do you think about what we saw in the Alaris Center last Saturday Okay, so the Fighting Hawks and and head coach Bubba, um, they took out the paddle and they spanked the bison. For four quarters, they spanked the bison. Oftentimes, uh, I've said on this show that I don't like what UND does offensively. Now, I may not like it, but that doesn't change the fact that it works. They give defensive coordinators and just all 11 guys on the defense headaches. They're able to do so many different things, provide so many looks, throw so many of them at you at once that it's hard to keep up with. In over four quarters, it's going to stack up. They like to wind and grind you down. Schuster absolutely knows what to expect every time he's out there on the field. He's not going to wow you with his size or the big arm, but he will still take his shots down the field. And the game plan that they constructed to beat the Bison was nothing short of perfection. Shout out to the Fighting Hawks. You know, there's a tweet that we put out that said, if you're not going to give this team the respect, they don't give a damn. They're just going to take it from you. So it's a team to look out for. Um, I know we have them in the top 10. I think they're a borderline top 10 team. Just the resume speaks for itself. They got a few big wins on there now and a sole loss to uh, Boise State. I like this UND team. Don't really fear them in the playoffs, but the Bison, I think, are the ones that are raising red flags all over the place. I don't know how you feel about that, although I do. Look, it was very interesting to me that it seems that the way you beat North Dakota State this year is you run the damn ball right down their throat because that's exactly what North Dakota did. Gavin Zebar toted the mail for 156 yards and three touchdowns, 156 yards rushing against the North Dakota State Bison. And you mentioned quarterback Tommy Schuster. Man, he didn't have to be the star. But he still kind of was. 9 of 12 for only 118 yards, but two touchdowns. And they won in all three phases, Stone. The special teams were also key with a 100-yard kickoff return to start the game and a blocked punt to flip the field. And I know we were both very proud, and so were our partners, Northwestern Mutual, about our guy, C.J. Siegel, with four solo tackles, two pass breakups, and a pass and an interception that he returned for 59 yards. And if you all want to support the initiative, go to fcsnationradio.com, click on Alex's Lemonade Stand, and see how you can help our honorary captain from last week, C.J. Siegel, 
of North Dakota in childhood cancer. And here are the FCS Nation Radio National Players of the Week, brought to you by Northwestern Mutual. The Offensive Player of the Week, Mr. Clifton McDowell, a fine quarterback from the University of Montana. Last week versus Idaho, 176 yards, one passing touchdown, 38 rushing yards, and a touchdown. Stone, he didn't have the best numbers last week, but, man, he played in the biggest game in the subdivision and did it well, led the team, didn't make mistakes, led them to a huge dub for their season. I believe that's a signal victory for the Montana Grizzlies. The National Defensive Player of the Week, brought to you by Northwestern Mutual, is Terrell Allen from Tennessee State. Seven tackles, six solo, four tackles for loss, two sacks, one pass breakup, and Tennessee State's victory over Norfolk State. And here is the FCS Nation Radio Top 25 for Week 7. Number one, the South Dakota State Jackrabbits. Number two, Montana State. Three is Furman. Number four, the Western Carolina Catamounts. Rounding up a top five, South Dakota. Number six, North Dakota. Falling to number seven, the Idaho Vandals. Number eight, Sacramento State. Number nine, Southern Illinois. And rounding up a top ten, the Delaware Fighting Blue Hens. Number 11, North Carolina Central. Rising with the bullet to number 12, the Montana Grizzlies. Number 13 is Harvard. Number 14 is Holy Cross. And falling to number 15, the North Dakota State Bison. Number 16, Incarnate Word. Number 17, the Chattanooga Monks. Number 18, Florida A&M. 19 is Youngstown State. And rounding up the top 25, the Central Arkansas Bears. Number 21, William M. Mary. 22, Tennessee Martin. Falling to number 23, the Albany Great Danes. 24, Villanova. And 25, is Austin P. It's time for us to take a quick break. When you stick with us, coming up next is Stone Cold quarterback Clifton McDowell of Montana. I know you'll want to hang out for that. We'll be right back. You're listening to FCS Nation on the Palmetto Radio Network. Second and three, pistol formation, play action. McDowell throws it down the field for Bergen, and he drops it down. And Bergen's going to go all the way for a touchdown. A 76-yard pitchy catch. McDowell to Bergen, and you see why he's the weapon everybody has to watch out for. Thanks for sticking with us during the break. You're listening to FCS Nation on the Palmetto Radio Network. Yes, we're back, and we're better than ever. It's the Stone Cold Quarterback segment where I go around the country, look for some of the best quarterbacks, playing for some of the best teams, and those teams with some of the best performances, and this one was a no-brainer. Myself, Kevin Marshall, quick little discussion. Who we going after? Landed in Missoula, Montana. Got the signal caller for the Grizzlies, Mr. Clifton McDowell. Clifton, the beholder of the Little Brown Stein. Appreciate you giving the show some time this week. I uh, appreciate it. I'm glad to be on here, man. I mean, you guys got a lot of good things going for you. The country now back on notice, and I'm glad it's that way, to be quite frank with you. It's Montana's first win against the top three team in the country since the Brawl of the Wild. That win against Montana State in 2021. It's also the first time since 2000 that Montana has won back-to-back road games against ranked opponents. This game against Idaho last Saturday that we're going to get to chit-chatting about half a million people on ESPN2 tuned in. It was the most watched game on ESPN2. Is this news that you were given? Have you seen it on social media? It's a pretty big deal. 
though. Yeah, I actually saw it today when I got out of practice. I was, I was shocked. That's a lot of people for FCS school. Was, yeah, and you guys definitely delivered. Not that Montana Grizzlies offense, but your team as a whole. To catch that 23-21 dub, man, it was big. It, it sent shockwaves around the entire FCS, and I think you guys liked it that way. It seemed like you celebrated properly, but let's talk a little bit about that win. 11 p.m. kick for me here on the East Coast. I stayed with it the entire way, uh, three hours, but I mean, it don't matter. I, I had to watch that game. You guys jump out to a big lead early on, but the clock strikes zero at the very, very end. Your first thought is what, Clifton? Well, just a big relief. <laughs> it was, it was, it, we started off real good. I thought we was going to get up on them pretty good. I thought we was going to finish out. And, but I mean, the game had other plans. They wouldn't have time adjusted and just made it a game. But it was, that was a great team we played against. Though. Listen, there's, there's a question that, you know, I'm not given the opportunity to ask quarterbacks all the time, but when I am, I'm definitely going to ask it. How important is the start to a football game? Like, especially the first few drives for an offense. And I know that question seems a little elementary, but personally, man, I think it plays into a game a lot more than people think yeah it's definitely a tone setter i feel like the the first opening drive like all i've been coaching like the opening drive would really describe how the game gonna go so i mean like the opening drive we we put points on the board should have been a touchdown but we got we was able to get a field goal but the first couple drives is definitely a tone setter for sure yeah and on that second drive offensively for you guys you find your boy who we're going to talk about here junior bergen uh kids a menace 76 yard pitch and catch in the first quarter that helped you guys get out to a 10-0 lead he finished the day with five catches 118 yards 118 yards of the 176 that you had total how well are you both seeing everything right now and what does junior mean to this football team uh junior means a lot man he makes a lot of plays on special teams as well i think he averaged like 20 yards a carry on a kickoff return or a punt return one of those but yeah he had he, he this, i think this is second yeah this is the second uh 100 yard game last week they kind of game plan for him so I had to get it to my other receivers I feel like we all just gelling and the chemistry just coming along well I think one of the things that I took away from the game and I think the audience did as well is playing with a lead like that you were free you were comfortable you were confident how fun is it to play quarterback like that I mean the Vandals scored on the first drive of every single game of the season so far but not last Saturday if I'm not mistaken it was three back to back to back three and outs for the Vandals and then when you get the ball punted to you in the offense and you're in that little huddle before taking the field I mean there's no better feeling than that right yeah this is it's a um, it's a beauty seeing the defense go out there do what they're supposed to do go out there and shut shut down the opposing team offense the field position I mean we could have it was a great punt the punter had a couple good punts he put his back having to drive 90 yards but it was it's a beauty seeing the defense let's talk about that defense Clifton you guys held them to 58 yards rushing yes I said 58 and Idaho Vandals team held to 58 yards rushing how big is the defense for you guys right now and how much are you going to lean on them moving forward oh uh, man I just gotta we lean on them they I think this like almost every game besides Idaho State that I uh, played in they didn't came through and finish wrap the game up for us so I mean I feel like I play for them. Like, they put me on that field. My job is to go out there and lead the offense and score. I scratch your back, you scratch mine. That's how a quarterback and his defense, that's what the relationship should be. I love it. Having a chat here with Clifton McDowell, signal caller for the Montana Grizzlies, a team surging through the ranks right now. A team last season touted as a team to go win a natty, and this season had some question marks at the beginning, but things have started to form, and this team's a problem, and there's not a damn thing anybody can say about it. Clifton, I personally love watching you guys play football. I think there's a lot of things you do well. Obviously, the guy in 
charge, Mr. Bobby Howe. There was a quote that he dropped after the game. He said, I'm proud of you guys. I'm proud of our team. I love my football team. This was Coach Bobby Houck. Do you guys feel the same way? How hard are you guys riding with Bobby Houck, and what does he mean to the squad? Oh, yeah, we definitely ride or die behind Coach Houck. We just love the fight that this team has and, like, never quit. We just real resilient, I'll say. Yeah, and what was that message at the beginning of the season and to right now? And has it changed any bit, or has it just been steady sailing? No, nah, it's steady sailing. Uh, the goal is to uh, have our 19th championship, so working on uh, 19, so that's still the goal. Man, one of my favorite questions to ask quarterbacks, and I know this from experience, when you come into summer workouts and everybody gets back in your locker, there's a new set of swag, right? You got a new tee, some new kicks, new socks, a couple of new shirts. But on that shirt is typically what a head coach or a staff wants you guys to look at, wants you guys to be reminded of each and every day. What writing, what saying, what phrase, what motto was put on the front or back of the shirt and what did it say? Uh, Montana Tough. Just being able, I mean, uh, the Grizz Warriors are clear mind, alert and discipline. We're training a man that available physical and mental toughness. So that's pretty much half of our creed that we pretty much say every day before the game and after that we really believe. Montana tough, says Mr. Clifton McDowell. I love that one. I've heard some good ones throughout the week, especially this season, but Montana tough is just simple and to the point. I think everybody knows what it means. What do you think this Idaho win does for your team's identity? Were you having questions earlier on about, you know, who are we? What do we do best? And and have you solidified exactly who the hell you guys are right now? We're a winning championship team. <laughs> Every win gives us a confidence boost for the next week, but that that one, how everyone counted us out and we was able to prove the world wrong, it just felt real amazing. Yeah, the Montana Grizz six and one on the year, three and one in the Big Sky. Obviously, on a bye week this week, returning home, hanging out, getting some rest, and then to take on Northern Colorado on October 29th, and then after that, it's Sac State, so we get back into uh, an, another marquee matchup for the Grizz. Hey, Clifton, this one, this one's tough. Uh, the, the the question that I do have for you, and I'm only asking because I've been a part of it myself, and I think it's not quarterback on quarterback crime it's often brought up uh, whether it's in the media um, you see it in the NFL all the time especially at some bigger colleges like some FBS schools they're always bringing up what a quarterback room is like especially when a team goes from one quarterback to another but let's have a chat about it man how close are you with Sam Chris Caden Gage and these guys and you know how big of a support staff have they been for you up until this point right now oh yeah that, those are my guys I mean when I first got in here they would welcome me in with open arms into the quarterback room meeting Chris and Sam and Caden it was just, it felt too good to be true at first, but then after I got to know the guys, they were actually funny, and we got probably one of the top uh, quarterbacks rooms in the conference, for sure. It's often a misconception, right, when you're going through quarterbacks and a head coach and an offensive coordinator trying to figure out, you know, what the identity of the offense is, what we're trying to do, and, and you guys are obviously all trying to get that bag, all trying to, you know, chase notoriety and ultimately take this team to a championship, but when you can come together and build a relationship, like, how does it help your mental? You go from this not really knowing where you are, the anxiety ridden days to being solidified and now these guys behind you supporting you how much does that help you on the field uh it, it comes in a lot especially in close games when you know your guys around you and y'all just jail from chilling in the summertime knowing what each person what moves and triggers each person and helps them be better or what gets under their skin it just it really helps a lot in close game and on game days are there anything that they do for you x's and o's wise i always remember coming off the sideline whether i was a starter or at that time a backup and just having that headset on 
listening to the guys up in the box, what they're saying? Are they relaying you all the information, keeping an eye on some safeties for you? Like they help you each and every Saturday. I think a lot more than people understand, right? Yeah, Coach Pease, he, he definitely an eye in the sky. Anything I miss, he'll be the first one to tell me. So Let's talk about Coach Pease, man. Mr. Brent, uh, the signal caller for you guys, he's doing a lot right. I, I think he has you guys heading in the right direction. The confidence is there offensively, all the explosive plays. What has your guys' relationship blossomed into for the past few months? Well, really, I looked up to him because he, he used to be a, a quarterback for one of the hometown teams, the Houston Oilers. So, I, like, that was pretty big in the recruiting process, me choosing Montana as a school to go to. And just getting down and meeting with him, he's real cool, chill, lay down to earth. He'll, he'll get you, he'll rip you one, but it's all good. It's all good intention. You were so good on third down. I think you finished the game 60%. Um, Just from a percentage standpoint, just converting and moving the chains. Is that something that, that you guys take seriously in practice, that third down period, or does it just all come down to execution? It seemed like it was like focused on by you guys. It took the air out of the stadium. You guys took your time when second down finished and you realized that it was third down or we're punting here. It seems like you took a little extra time. There was an extra emphasis on it. Yeah, we actually, we practiced like Monday and Tuesdays. Every day after practice, we had a thing called for fourth quarter where we practiced third down scenarios. So it kind of shows every uh, Saturday. No, I mean, it, it definitely does. Like I said, com converting 60% of them against an Idaho team, that's what it's going to take. And Clifton McDowell, folks, FCS Nation's National Offensive Player of the Week as well. Got deemed that earlier this week. That, of course, presented by Northwestern Mutual. Clifton McDowell, the signal caller for the Montana Grizzlies, has this team rocking and rolling right now, 6-1. and one. The ultimate goal, Mr. McDowell, for you guys. What do the Grizzlies have their eyes set on? National Championship. Just plain and simple. Yeah. If that's what it is, that's what it is. I, I think when a season's going, you, you have these different mood swings and, and you often question yourself. But here we are, seven games into the season, and, and the Grizzlies have their eyes set on a national championship. And I'll just tell you straight up, from a media perspective, I, I don't think myself or Kevin Marshall, for the most part, and personally, there were doubts that this Grizz team was going to kind of not live up to the name per se, but exceed expectations. And it, it's taken you guys seven weeks to shut everybody's mouth. And, and it seems like you guys just don't really care is there this chip on shoulder mentality that you don't care what anybody's saying what anybody's doing about anything um whatever's written in the news whatever's saying on anybody's websites anybody's podcast like are you guys just tunnel vision blocking all that crap out right now yeah, that's that's one thing I coach. Make sure Coach Hawk he tells us every time after a game, just tone out the, uh, the outside noise. Of what only matters is what's in the room. Only matters what's in the room, says Bobby Hawk, head man for the Montana Grizz. Clifton, uh, a few more for you here. I know you're on a bye week. You got some rest. We could do this for hours on end, man. I always love chatting with quarterbacks and, and watching you perform last Saturday was pretty cool. I'm um, taking down a sold out Kibby Dome. Uh, it's not easy to do. They they definitely have things rocking and rolling. I'm sure the vandalizers were giving you guys hell. Well, actually, I know they were giving you guys hell. Um, seen some Twitter videos of them throwing around some F-bombs at you guys. And, and that's all fun. H how much does that play into a football game? I, I know the answer is yes, it does. But for you personally, like when you're hearing F-bombs drop from, you know, thousands of 20-year-olds and this sold-out dome is, is just booing and doesn't want you guys to win a game, but you jump out to a 20-0 lead. Like, how much does that push you? Uh, actually, uh, our head coach, he made us, like, when we ran out the tunnel, we ran straight to the student section and started chaining with them, trying to, like, confuse them, like, show them that we <laughs> We don't care what they're saying, but it definitely gave us an extra drive. I say put a chip on our shoulder for sure. Do you guys feel like you are playing football 
all 22 guys, 11 on offense and 11 on defense with the chip on your shoulder. Like, I, I'm not going to sit here and ask you, do you guys hear the noise? But I will ask it like that way. Do you guys hear the noise and understand that like there's a point to be proven? Yeah. Yeah. Because the last two weeks, I think these teams made us their homecoming game. But we kind of took offense to that too as well. So yeah, we definitely use it. We, we don't try to listen to the outside noise, but when we do see it and then see something bad, we use it. We, we put it on our shoulder, like a chip on our shoulder. Sure. I love to hear it. It seems like you play with it like that. Offensively, uh, your game, is it in the best place it's been in your career, do you feel like? I thought things looked smooth. I thought every bit of mechanic was just on, on the money. Do you feel like your game's in the best place it's been yet? Well, it's kind of hard to tell. It's only been my fourth game. Yeah. And so, I mean, I feel like each each week I'm getting better, progressing. So, be, the best is yet to come. What are some of the things Pease is letting you get away with? Uh, more checks to the line of scrimmage. Are you guys kind of understanding what and where he wants to go on the play sheet on, on certain down and distances? Like, is that stuff starting to come about more and more? Yeah, it's starting to, yeah. I mean, forming that connection with my offensive coordinator, knowing what's he, what he wants, whether he wants to get a field goal or he, where he wants us to move the ball to so we can put it in a better spot for our kicker because I know our kicker likes it in a certain spot. So, so you're just looking at the play calls and remember what he's saying in practice and just, like, when he calls a play, just remember what he said in practice and that's probably what he's seeing on the in the game everything that you were talking about uh, i believe it because i see it on the field it's stuff that comes to fruition last one here for you clifton i think the question uh i don't want to sit here and say that we're all we've all been waiting for but what game do you guys have circled on your calendar and if it's dude we don't because we're not looking ahead that's fine you can give me that but is there a certain game that sticks out to you guys that gives you extra motivation when you wake up in the morning yeah i can't even lie to you it's probably the last game of the season i know every game is important but uh the game versus montana State, we kind of had that like you, countdown in the locker room. <laughs> so, somewhat yeah. a countdown yes. in the locker room for a Montana Grizz, Montana State Bobcats matchup. That's what we're all waiting for. But we want both of you guys stay on track up until that point. We want that one to be a banger. Obviously, college game day there last year. Hopefully, we can get the same vibe, fill the stands up the same way. It's never too hard for you guys. Clifton, hey, get some rest. Hang tight. Again, the Grizz on a bye week, taking on Northern Colorado on October 29th when they get back. And then after that, it's Sac State. Clifton, Enjoy the rest, and we'll be rooting for you here at FCS Nation along down the road. Thank you so much. And we're back. You're listening to FCS Nation on the Palmetto Radio Network. Stone Levanowitz, it's time for you and I to take a quick trip all over FCS Nation and preview the biggest games taking place in FCS football this week. Up first, number one, South Dakota State is at number nine, Southern Illinois. Stone, Saluki's homecoming, the number one ranked team in the country coming to town. If you're a Saluki, here's your opportunity to get yourself squarely and get your season back on track and get yourself right in line for a top eight seed for the FCS playoffs. It's all right there. You just got to take it. An opportunity is a good way to put it. I think when you look at this game, on one side, you have a team who's favored by two touchdowns, and on the other, you have a team that's just oozing with confidence and is really good offensively and can put up a lot of points. You know, when you look deeper into this game, though, there's one thing that stands out to me, and it's the fact that, and I took a lot of heat for this earlier on in the week, but 
I don't think the Jacks have the skill players to match up with Southern Illinois skill players. And and you can ooh and ah all you want at that. The tape's going to speak for itself, you, you know, on ESPN Plus this Saturday at 3 p.m. Like, Southern Illinois has a lot going for them offensively. Obviously, Nick Baker behind the center, but what he has around him, a running back committee uh, uh, full of scatbacks. And I know on South Dakota State side, you got them all. You got Isaiah. I get that. But then the Vincent Davises, the Isaiah Hartrups, the guys that they're able to move around and show you three or four different formations on a single drive it's gonna be hard if they can execute and hit a certain amount of explosive plays this game hopefully is closer than a lot of people think but one thing you're not doing is keeping that ball on the ground and lasting four quarters with the jacks it's just not gonna happen so it's gonna take a perfect storm for southern illinois but yeah south dakota state's rightfully favored in this game and they should win number two montana state is at number eight sacramento state this is the second stone of three games involving members of our top 10 this week it, it, it's an exciting week dude uh, montana state at sacramento state this one will be a good one we hadn't been as high on Sac State as some other people have. They're missing something from last year. And I think that what they're missing is, you know, that extremely talented running back. And they just don't seem to have that this year. But they're trying to make up with that with throwing the ball a little more and running the quarterback. A l- well, not a little more than last year because they branded just about more than anybody not named Montana State last year. But they're trying to make up for that in other ways. Montana State, we kind of know what they're going to do, dude. They're going to come in there and they're going to run QB power with two quarterbacks 27 times and knock you around and then hit you over the top. Will it work? Well, it seemed to have worked almost all the time recently. Let's see what happens in that ball game over there in Sacramento. Yeah, for both of these games, Montana State and Sacramento State and South Dakota State and Southern Illinois, they look very similar on paper. You have a Sacramento State team with Caden Bennett who is not shy of hitting explosive plays, not shy for spreading things out. Um, a lot of the smoke and mirrors motions, the zip, the zangs, all of that kind of stuff. Sacramento State has an opportunity here to um, space them out, hit explosive plays, but Montana State's just so much bigger and better, similar to how much bigger and better South Dakota State is in Southern Illinois. So I think when you're previewing both of these games, I do think that Southern Illinois or Sacramento State, one of them is at least going to sneak the other. I don't think South Dakota State and Montana State just cruise in these games. If Sacramento State or Southern Illinois can put together a really good offensive game plan and try to make one of these teams play from behind and get them uncomfortable in the first half, we could have ourselves a ball game. So the same things that I said about South Dakota State and Southern Illinois, I'll say for this game right here. I think Sacramento State has more skill than Montana State, but up front, you're not going to last four quarters. So whoever puts together a better game plan, the Hornets or the Dogs, one of them is going to get it done. Number three, Furman is at number four, Western Carolina, in our FCS Nation game of the week. And this is the de facto Southern Conference Championship game right here, Stone. Now, Western Carolina, offense been up and down the field. I have heard that Desmond Reeve is going to try to give it a go for the Catamount. Whether he'll be 100% or even effective, I don't know the answer to that. But he's a tough young man from down there in your neck of the woods in Florida. He's he going to give it a shot, dude. So kudos to him for that. And Furman, man, that Tyler Huff fella sure is something at the quarterback position, dude. Uh, He'll beat you with the arm. He's not afraid to stick his head in there and run the football. I mean, ran it 18 times last week. You know, that's probably the the most carries a quarterback west of the Mississippi got last week. I mean, uh, we all know that that for some reason out there on on the West Coast, they like to run the quarterback a whole bunch. And with the, uh, you know, demise of the triple at certain places, quarterback don't run the ball so much anymore back east. But Weston Carolina, Cole Gonzalez, quick game, get it out of there. The offensive line has been very good, but Furman's defense has been excellent all season, and I do believe that if Furman's to win this game, they'll win a game in the high 20s, low 30s. If it goes any more than that, then the advantage is certainly for Western Carolina.
I love this one. This is the third time I've said this so far, but I think you've been on the money. I think everything you said right there, I would retweet. I would co-sign. I'd put a stamp on it. Tyler Huff is the key in this game. And I know that sounds funny because we're big fans of the Catamounts and what they do offensively. Like Western Carolina is going to score at will. But if Tyler Huff can match that and put the confidence and instill the confidence in his team that, hey, I get that they can score, but so can we. If Tyler Huff answers the door enough times in this game, Furman's going to win. But if they let Western Carolina jump out to a two, three possession lead, I don't know if they can play catch up. Tyler Huff, he keeps the ball on the ground a lot. They trust him to tuck and go. But if Furman can catch a lead and Boa constricted them on defense, yeah, that's how the win this game but stopping western carolina is i'd imagine not easy and, and gives defensive coordinators a headache but man i'd co-sign everything that you said i loved it you almost got me riled up for this game and it's the game of the week and it hasn't even been played yet but on the money kev number five south dakota is at indiana state these next two games there's going to be a trend here stone and that is you've had big wins but does it mean anything if you don't continue to back them up if you're south dakota you need to go to indiana state and handle that 0-6 team and handle them impressively. I think this one's a no contest. There's nothing that Indiana State can do that South Dakota is not ready for. And I'm a believer in this Yotes team. It's just more so that I'm a believer in Aiden Bauman. I think they're going to go as far as he goes. The Yotes are going to roll here. Um, we're talking about the top five team in the country, in our opinion. They got the guys. I, I, they'll be fine. They'll be fine. Indiana State uh, shows nothing. Number six, North Dakota is at Northern Iowa. Again, huge win last week for the Fighting Hawks. It don't be nothing if you can't back it up with a road win against Northern Iowa this week. Now, I, again, this is a, another season where I don't really know what to make of the Northern Iowa Panthers. Close game with Indiana State. Then you go to South Dakota State and get your doors blown off. Well, that happens to a lot of people. So I'm not quite sure what conclusion you can draw from that. But the conclusion that needs to be drawn is that if North Dakota is a real top 10 team, just like South Dakota, they'll go on the road and they'll handle their business. I know that it's tough to play in that dome and Northern Iowa still has Theo Day, but that doesn't seem to mean as much this year. And Day hasn't performed as well as all of us expected him to in August when we're picking the preseason teams, right? I'm not sure if it's just that he doesn't have the weapons this year or quite frankly, if he just hasn't been as good. But if you're the fighting hawk, you can't afford a let down here you need to go on the road and handle that business at northern iowa you and i is annoying kev it's they like, are annoying stone you're right kind of yeah yeah they kind of are we're we're waiting like i've made myself look like a, a an ass for the past few weeks saying hey here comes theo day here comes theo day it's october wait till november this team shows up but they've put nothing on tape to back any of it up so i think und wins this game but god and i know i'm annoying in the aspect of me being a quarterback always pointing out skill players but i do think uni has more skill than north dakota so similar to the jacks versus the dogs and the bobcats versus the hornets i think uni has north dakota outskilled here it's just all depending on if they can put the game plan together i do think the score line is pretty close but i can't let you and i burn me again i do think North Dakota has a good thing going, but it is a very, very big game considering how emotional the win over the Bison was. So we'll see how it all plays out. I'm not ready to go leaps and bounds for this UNI team, but UND, I'm not quite sold. I don't know if they have the skill that everybody thinks they do. Number 10, Delaware is at Hampton. Stone, have you ever seen a team like Delaware creep into the top 10 without having really done much of anything except for maybe what they were supposed to do? They have no really great wins, right? Uh, they've just handled their business. The schedule has been favorable, and that continues again this week playing Hampton. But they've done 
what we have wished some other teams would have done, which is handle their, their business against inferior opponents. That'll probably continue this week. Delaware's not flashy. Um, I, I think head coach Ryan Carty would like them to be, you know, the, you know, throw it around like they were with when Henderson was back there, but they're not that this year. They rely more on the defense. They rely more on the running game. And, and, and they're not just a, you know, we're going to throw it 50 times, see what happens type football team anymore. And maybe that has served them well. They're more well-rounded of a football team this year. But Hampton's not very good. Delaware's in the top 10. It's a road game in the CAA, and those are always tough to win. But I think Delaware has a clear advantage here. Yeah, Ryan Cardi's a dude. Uh, I think when you talk about handling an inferior opponent, a lot of it has to do with Cardi. He has his guys ready to go. And for these teams that are floating around that 10 to 15 range in the top 25, Delaware's doing what Incarnate Word's not able to do right now. And that's make the inferior opponent look inferior. So for that, Delaware gets the nod and gets thrown in the 10th spot. And they're considered a top 10 team because they deliver. And they just match whatever expectation they have on a Saturday. So shouts to the Fighting Blue Hens. Um, this team's good, and they're going to beat up on Hampton. Hampton sucks. Western Illinois is that number 15, North Dakota State. Man, in the past, we would say, hey, I'd hate to be Western Illinois. But what does Western Illinois have to lose, Stone? The Bison are a wounded animal. They're in the corner. Western Illinois hasn't won a football game. I think you do everything you got, and you throw it at the Bison. I think that's what you got to do if you're the Leathernecks. It probably won't work. Double passes, triple passes, sextuplet passes, <laughs> all kinds of passes, Stone. Whatever you got to do, you know? But just I don't know, man. If North Dakota State doesn't come out here and absolutely blouse the Leathernecks' boots, I don't know what to do with the Bison. I expect them to come out and do that, though. But would it shock me completely if the wheels fell completely off this Bison football team? No, it wouldn't. I don't think it's going to happen. But if it did, I wouldn't be completely shocked. Um, North Dakota State is going to win this game by 42 points. I mean, it's the Leathernecks we're talking about here. There's no contest. They can't do anything in any of the three phases that uh, make up the sport of football, offensively, defensively, special teams. Bison in a blowout. Number 16, Incarnate Word, is at Mac Knee. Stone, it's week eight, and I'm still hearing people who are partisans for Incarnate Word say, you just got to wait for this team to gel. Well, you know, it's week eight. And I think by this time of the season, you kind of are what you are, aren't you? I mean, can there be a lot more gelling in week eight through 11 that didn't happen the previous eight week? Or is this just who Incarnate Word is? They're going to be a team that's not going to be all that impressive on offense. They're going to rely on a defense that's pretty good. We haven't talked enough about that defensive group for them. But on offense, this has not been a very impressive group at all. And that's where they hung their hat last year. Now, we have them as the number 16 team in the country, believe it or not. Uh, one of the polls has them at number five in the country. <laughs> I, I just don't understand how you can look at a team like Incarnate Word right now and anything about them screams a top five team. But that's really neither here nor there. This week they play Macnees, who is not very good. The Word should handle them, but let's face it, they have not made a career this season out of handling teams that are worse than them. I expect this one to be close for a good little bit and have a scoreline, you know, somewhere around 11, 12, 13, 14 points. And that'll be a disappointment for Incarnate Word because they, like Holy Cross, need to be destroying these teams and they're just not doing it. Not much here. I think Incarnate Word wins this game by 13, 14 points. I don't think there's much on tape to wow anybody, but for the people who are focused on Incarnate Word, they're going to love this win. They're going to have done a lot really well. Nobody's really paying attention to Incarnate Word, right? We, we paid attention the first four or five weeks, maybe, and they didn't wow us. They didn't, you know, really show us anything that made them worthy of being in a top 10 and contending with teams like Furman or Western Carolina. And I know that sounds funny. I'm talking about Incarnate Word, a team who 
was a couple plays away and maybe a reverse fumble call from playing in a national championship. Just not the same team. Not impressed. Well, Stone, you know, you say that, you know, uh, that bad call against North Dakota State in the playoffs last year might have cost Incarnate Word a shot at the national championship game. Well, the Purple Horse people from Greenville, South Carolina will tell you that a phantom holding call cost the Furman Paladins from being right there in Fargo last year uh, playing in that football game. So you win some, you lose some. You get gifted some, you don't get gifted others. Up next, East Tennessee State is at number 17 Chattanooga, SoCon matchup. It's hard to believe East Tennessee State was very good just two seasons ago, and, and they're not very good now. Chattanooga, they're putting it all together, Stone. Last week, they had to settle for five field goals against Mercer, and they don't want to do that again. They want to be better in the red zone. East Tennessee State's not going to be very much of a deterrent for them in any part of the field, especially the red zone on defense, and East Tennessee State won't be able to score very much on that Chattanooga offense. I think Chattanooga chalks up another one in the W column here. I think they chalk up another one in the W column here as well. I'm going to go on record right now and say I love this Chattanooga team. Not only are they hotter than fish grease, I just think they are so balanced. I I think their offense plays off of the defense, and the defense plays off of the offense. The effort levels there, as corny as it may sound, the 11 hats to the ball, like those are all the things that Chattanooga does really well, and we saw them put up points against Western Carolina. Now, Western Carolina's defense is no world beater, but just to be able to step up to the plate, face the music, understand that they were going against one of the hottest teams in the subdivision, and hey, we're right here. We're right here. And realistically, depending on who you ask, you could pull the card that they should have won that game, right? We're not going to get into those details, but I mean, they played good enough to beat Western Carolina. If you played good enough to beat Western Carolina, you gained my respect. So shout out to the Mocs. I think they're balling right now. We're going to take a quick timeout. We come back. Our Northwestern Mutual Alex has Lemonade Stand Honorary Captains of the Week will be here. We'll be right back. You're listening to FCS Nation on the Palmetto Radio Network. Every day, more than 1,000 children worldwide are diagnosed with cancer. Northwestern Mutual is devoted to supporting the research that gives families and the survivors of cancer a better quality of life. They're looking to accelerate the search for better treatments and cures for childhood cancer while also supporting families undergoing treatment and survivors struggling with lasting effects. Since 2012, Northwestern Mutual has donated more than $50 million to the cause, which includes more than $30 million towards funding more than 600,000 hours of research through the company's partnership with Alex's Lemonade Stand Foundation. The mission of Alex's Lemonade Stand Foundation is to change the lives of children through funding impactful research, raising awareness, supporting families undergoing treatment, and empowering everyone to help find a cure for childhood cancer. The Jackrabbits force five turnovers in a 41-6 route of Northern Iowa in front of 19,357 at Dana J. Dykow Stadium. Thanks for sticking with us during the break. You were listening to FCS Nation on the Palmetto Radio Network. Yes, folks, it's that time. You hear it each and every week. It's the honorary captain of the week. This one, though, the week eight edition, it's plural. We have two captains joining us who I'm going to introduce in just one second. This segment, of course, presented by Northwestern Mutual and Alex Lemonade Stan. This initiative that you guys have come to know, our audience, the reoccurring audience, Alex Scott was somebody who set out to try to cure childhood cancer. Alex Lemonade Stan and the foundation, they're changing lives of 
children with cancer by funding impactful research, raising awareness, and supporting families and empowering everyone to help cure childhood cancer. Every day, over a thousand children worldwide are diagnosed with childhood cancer, yet childhood cancer research is consistently underfunded as compared to other types of cancer research. And it is all up to us, myself, Stone Lebanowitz. My two guests who I'm going to introduce, and alongside them, of course, Mr. Chris Shankle has been on the program now two, three times, but let's get into who's joining us. It's Mr. Brian Williams, defensive tackle for the South Dakota State Jackrabbits, and Mr. Quentin Hicks, somebody who's also in the trenches with him, but on the end for the South Dakota State Jackrabbits. Appreciate you guys for giving the show some time this week. Thanks for having us. Yeah, appreciate it. And alongside them, like I had mentioned, who's joined the program three or four times, the managing partner for Northwestern Mutual, the Sioux Falls Division, Mr. Chris Shankle. Chris, of course, as I always say, thanks for joining the show this week. Thank you for having me. Appreciate it. Yeah, I think the things that we've been able to accomplish up to this point, Chris, have been uh, nothing short of a blessing, almost $2,000 raised, and I've had about three or four athletes on all leading the fight against childhood cancer. But with Quentin and Brian, you understand what we're trying to accomplish. Childhood cancer is underfunded, like I mentioned, but there are so many other things that go into this. And a lot of it spearheaded by Northwestern Mutual. The ability for you guys to join the show, it means a lot. We're just trying to shine light. We're trying to raise awareness for childhood cancer, trying to raise the funds through the power of you guys. You guys have a different tie to all of this. You guys were interns for Northwestern Mutual in the spring of 2023, carried it on all the way through the summer. And I think I have a little peek behind the curtain, the fact that you guys have a future in this. You guys plan to carry it on all the way about. But for both of you, Brian, I'll start with you though. When this initiative first came about and you were reached out about doing it and partaking and having a hand in all of this, did you think when you first came into college that you'd ever be a part of something so powerful and an initiative like curing childhood cancer? Yeah, I mean, you always look for those opportunities, but I'll tell you one thing about going to South Dakota State is you meeting Coach Stig and he's always big on mad, make a difference, you know, make a difference in your communities, make a difference in someone's life. And then joining Northwestern Mutual, you just get to see that come to fruition. You get to see making a difference in someone's lives, making a difference in, you know, something that's so underfunded, which is honestly sad. Uh, for me, I would just say it's a blessing to be a part of raising money for something like this. And Quinn, same thing for you. When you first walked into college as an 18 year old, right? Your eyes, your focus is all on football, but to be asked to be a part of something like this, now that you're a senior and about to embark in the real world, your first First thought was what when you were proposed this? I thought it was a great, uh, like Brian said, a great opportunity to kind of just shine a light on it. It's really sad, like he said, that it is underfunded. But being able to help make a difference and hopefully at least bring awareness to it was awesome. And um, it's crazy to see uh, where we're at now and doing something great like this with you and with Chris. Yeah, to be quite frank, I don't think there's another initiative like this in the FCS right now. It's something me and Chris often talk about as, as far as the actual call to action side of things, like getting your fan base to get involved and contribute dollars. It, it's something that you can talk about and you see in some places, but I don't think it lives in the FCS. So for us to kind of be almost trailblazers in this is pretty cool. But what stands out to you guys, Quentin, I'll start with you this time about how this relates to you and why you personally wanted to be involved in something like this. I think personally, um, after uh, we went to our annual meeting and I saw what they're doing with uh, when you put a lemon on your head, Chris, correct me, but I think they donate, was it, how much money is it, Chris, every time you post a picture of it? $10 every time, so Lemon Top Challenge, so every time yeah. you, yep. Up to like, I think it was like $100,000, like something as simple as doing that, 
posting on social media. I was like, this is a really great, really great charity and really great um, program to to support. That's um, why I really thought this is this is something awesome. And Brian, was there something for you that stood out similar to the Lemon Top Challenge? Yeah, I mean, the like a collaboration through everybody, like in um, I mean, there it's a brotherhood there. And whenever they attack something, they attack it full force and across the country. And just seeing us get to attack something like childhood cancer, I mean, why not? I mean, literally, why not? It's a perfect storm. We're talking about raising money and raising awareness for childhood cancer to say no to something like that or not to be not interested in something like that I think is quite frankly blasphemy and what I want to get into is the internship program because another facet of this is getting some of the best experience in the workforce that is even available for student athletes and in my opinion in Northwestern Mutual it's one of the best internship programs in the country one of the stats that I always love reading when we're doing the honorary captain of the week for the past 50 years more than 52,000 college students have participated in NM's internship program now almost 100%. 98% of them said this was influential for them in the moment going through college and of course what they set out to do afterwards. So let's dive a little deeper into that. Interns, like I mentioned, can gain real life experiences from earning performance-based compensation, other attractive reimbursement programs, of course, for professional studies that can lead to professional designation for interns who go full-time. How did this come about, the relationship between you two and Northwestern Mutual? I I know you guys intern, but I haven't heard much else and I want to know what that story is because I feel like in a sense, selfishly, you'd agree that this is going to change your life forever. But we'll start with you now, Brian, to get involved with this. How did it happen? Yeah, you know, my, my story is actually a little different than Quentin, where he got to meet Reagan on campus. But I actually reached out to Quentin and he referred me to Reagan, you know, and I mean, that's a big part of our business is referrals. And he referred me to that. And I got to go through the same process he went through. You know, I did the, you know, meetings and passed with flying colors. I don't know, because I was hired pretty quick. I was in a Ryan McKnight's class. He's a he's a player. Head JPA, and he has a lot of great people come in. And Reagan, the uh, head recruiting in uh, and Sioux Falls, she came to our class and she kind of just talked about it a little bit. And her and Kristen actually just annual meeting. And and really, I just they talk a lot about annual meeting. I think of 70 kids, I was the only person to leave my phone number. And she calls me, and I, I'm not gonna lie, I almost never answer random phone numbers, but I answered it. She's like, Oh, it's Reagan. I'm like, hey, who, Who's Reagan? She goes, What with Northwest? I'm like, Oh, yeah. She goes, Are you still interested? I'm like, Yeah, sure, why not? And it actually was the week of the Iowa game. And uh, I was already super nervous for that already to begin with. But uh, I think we had a meeting on Thursday. She said, well, I mean, next week and then next week. And then, you know, got to uh, got the offer, got to got to pass my uh, insurance license and then took uh, took some classes. And then now we're now we're here. And you talked about kind of embarking on this journey with Northwest Mutual the week of the Iowa game. Let's kind of break that down a little bit, because I think time commitment is something scary for most student athletes around the country trying to get involved in the workforce. Most players in the FCS are on scholarship, but you do want to have some job experience. I think at at the age you guys are at, you think that football is your job, right? And you're not too serious about choosing a major that that matches what you're passionate about because you're just focused on football and you think that no matter what, I'm going to go get paid to play the sport and at the next level. I want to talk about handling time management and all of that kind of stuff with Northwestern Mutual. How good have they been on their side in helping you guys and break it down a little bit. What's it like? Are you talking about preparing for the week of Iowa and then getting a call from a prestigious company like Northwestern Mutual? I'm, I'm sure 
battling those things are hard, but when you first stepped into the office, what were some of the things they were doing? What was the vibe like? How easy was it to manage your time and the things you had to do in the football facility and in the office? Quentin, I'll start with you. So <clears throat> that week of the Iowa game, it was uh, just a Zoom call on Thursday. That wasn't too time consuming. Thursday is kind of where we call it no sweat day. You know, we're pretty much already to go on Saturday. After that, and just like like this, like we're recording at what, 8.20 because Brian and I got out practice late, like just Chris being, you know, generous with his time with us. And then every other thing, like Reagan, a lot of times in the summer, we had stuff to go to for football. We had we had night practices and we couldn't make it to certain uh, meetings that interns had to go to. We'll just watch it later, you know. They were really accommodating to us uh, from that aspect. Yeah, and, and Brian, I'll ask you if you have any advice for, for kids, not quite your age, but maybe freshmen, maybe sophomore in college who want to dip their toes in the water, want to try to get some work experience, managing time. Is there a piece of advice you could give to kids out there? Yeah, I mean, joining a company like Northwestern Mutual is they teach you time management because you get paid for what you put into your work. Like we're compensated off of what we do. I mean, if you don't work, you don't get paid. And I feel like that's a big thing you want to do. Like some people feel like they're underpaid. Well, you can't feel that you're underpaid here because it's all based on what you do and the accountability that you hold yourself to. Um, you make your own schedule. I mean, what, what more could you ask for? Yeah. yeah just, just being thrown into the fire and having to learn it yourself. Yeah. I think oftentimes student athletes don't even get that opportunity. You time, you walk across the stage, you graduate and you're just thrown into that workforce, thrown to the wolves per se, but you guys are kind of at an advantage with what you've done at Northwestern Mutual. And Chris, I'll ask you this question here. Now, I know you weren't quite the athlete that these two are, Mr. Brian Williams and Quentin Hicks, but what qualities as an athlete translate to succeeding in the internship program for Northwestern Mutual? Well, we've talked about leadership in the past. That's one. Uh, I think you have to lead yourself. That's very very, very important being a business owner. Other qualities that you see consistently in athletes is one, you just mentioned time management, a lot of discipline. You have to be able to lead yourself in that space. Uh, I watched these two leave things early to make sure they got back to Brookings from Sioux Falls, constantly running back and forth, doing as many Zoom meetings as they could, hitting the weight room, uh, making phone calls they needed to, calling clients back or prospective clients. That discipline to do that uh, is is huge. I think another thing that stood out, especially these two and, and all athletes, these guys have been coached since they've been little kids. So anybody that's been an athlete, even through high school, you don't have to be in college. You could be a student in college now, um, a non-athlete. But right away, these two are very coachable. If I, you know, they've been coached on how to block, how to uh, do a swim move, how to do anything in football, and they're very coachable. They can take an aspect of listening to something, maybe ask the right questions on how to figure it out quickly, and they go do it. Uh, they get a win, it's great. They might take three losses trying to do it, um, and then they can still go do it and figure out how to get that win again. And I think that's very important, especially in running a business, especially like the, their learning curve coming in day one. You can take as many classes as you want. There's a lot of technical things, but there's so much art and there's so much to the art business. Um, they have to adapt and be coachable. And these two are definitely that. And, and I think all of our interns will, will show that to a very, very high level. So those are some of the top qualities I think that stick out. Um, that discipline, coachability, uh, leadership in oneself and helping others and the desire, you know, to want something and to create impact, that's always there. And we find that a lot. 
That's all the money. That's all the money there by Mr. Chris Shankle, of course, managing partner for the Northwest Mutual branch that is of Sioux Falls. Not too far from Brookings, right? They marry each other. It's well said, Chris. For the boys, I want to talk some football. You guys are off to a 6-0 start. I don't think that really surprises anybody. 3-0 in the Valley. Let's kick things off with this. Quentin, I'll start with you. Great this season so far. Give it a letter grade, A through F. Um, I would say A. I would say B. Because, you know, we're undefeated. That, that's awesome. But there, there's there's been a ton of games where we could have played a lot better, and I think we know we could have played a lot better. Brian, are you co-signing the B, or do you got a different grade? I'm definitely standing on the B with Quinn. There's a lot of things we've left on the table the past few games, and, I mean, we haven't played a complete game on defense yet, and – we haven't hit all of our goals yet, and that's something we really look forward to. I think it's pretty damn scary that uh, a couple of members on the number one team in the country are giving themselves a B, and they're 6-0, and and they're 3-0 and in the Valley. Kind of want to ask that question to ask this one. Obviously, you go from Coach Stig now to Coach Jimmy Rogers, and that preparation, you guys sound like you aren't satisfied, like a B is not even – I mean, I don't know. You guys didn't even sound excited about saying B. So Stig's preparation, I know, I've heard, is a lot different than Coach Rogers. They're just two – polar opposite personalities one's a little more conservative closer to the vest and jimmy lets you guys hear it has there been like an evident change or have you guys had to change your preparation and how you attack things with coach rogers more so than coach stig i wouldn't say we prepare different i mean you prepare how you want to play you know and it's pretty evident how we want to play and what we expect of ourselves but going from coach stig to coach rogers i would say the biggest difference is just like staying even more disciplined uh, you know, trying to do every little thing right. Like, we don't want to, like, a misstep here, we're reloading it. You know, we're we're logged in. That's what you want in your head coach. And, Quinn, what would you say the biggest difference is between the two? I would say it, it is nice. Uh, it's not a huge difference throughout the week. Like, our, our practice schedule is still the same and, and what we do on certain days. Um, I like what Brian said about um, uh, the small things. And it's also Coach Rogers coming in as, hey, guys, like, might have won this last year, but that was last year. We got to keep it keep it even. I think that's the, the biggest thing with Coach Rogers. And that's what we need to hear. Um, no one on this team member does get too high but it's always good to hear that from coach rogers and um you know keep us always wanting to get better yeah i think you know the general audience out there who whether you're just a fan of the fcs or you cover it from the media angle it was how is jimmy just going to pick up where stig left off like there was kind of a worry these are from people who don't really know football and don't really know what they're talking about there's kind of a worry out there but what i've always told people and i want you guys to put a stamp on this if if it sounds even remotely true but the intensity that rogers brings is just different and I think that was going to be the difference between you guys. Of course, coming off a national championship, it's like, okay, these guys can be a little complacent. Stig's gone. What's going to happen? Jimmy just turns the volume right back up. Like, it's like, no, no, we're going to go even harder than we were. Is that a true statement, both of you guys hearing that? Oh, uh, yeah, I would definitely say so. I mean, we celebrated the Natty probably until week one of workouts. And it was nipped in the butt right there. I think, you know, we had a team meeting, you know, everything. It got thrown away right then. You know, we didn't. I would say nobody on our team is complacent. I think the hunger's still there. Uh, Why not do it again? Quinn, you feel the same way? Yeah. I remember Coach Rogers said he was he was happy until the morning. He's like, dang, I want to get another one. And that's kind of kind of how we felt too. We uh we celebrated, you know, those two weeks. And then third week we were working out. Everyone's like, you're back at workouts? Or you just, didn't you just <laughs> – you know, January 8th win, I'm like, yeah, we got to get another one. And that's what I think uh, is different. 
um, what this team and, and why we've had the success that we've had because we, we never want to be complacent. Yeah, and how do you guys stay motivated each and every week? Now there's a giant target on your back. You know, we use this analogy for North Dakota State, like teams in the Valley and teams around the country. That's their Super Bowl. It's easier said than done considering the Jackrabbits are the one with the trophy and the Jackrabbits are the one that everyone's out to get. I think that's the real truth. How do you guys stay motivated when there's a giant target on your back and every team that plays you treats it like the Super Bowl? I think it's just because, you know, the camaraderie we have on this team, like just speaking from our point of D-line, like we always want the best for each other. Like Max Bloom gets a sack. I guarantee every single D lineman is is getting hyped and getting excited. And I think that's what keeps us going is we want to be successful, not for personal statistics or anything, but for each other. Like I want to have Brian's back. Brian wants to have, you know, Ryan, Ryan Big Mama's back. Like that's just really what um makes us keep going. Yeah, I would I would double down on that. I mean, I've I've been to a different school. You know, I didn't start out here. I transferred here and just seeing the way that South Dakota State celebrates each other's success is the biggest difference of anywhere. You know, I mean, you got all Americans walking around like their first year guys just trying to make the field like <laughs> hungry. You know, you don't see that everywhere in just the competitiveness atmosphere here. I would say, you know, that's what's the that's the difference. Yeah, you guys are scratching the surface on I think a bigger question in all of this. I think one of the things I envy as a former player and I think players all over the country right now can envy about you guys is that senior class and, and how after last season so many question marks, but you're able to get together. Don't know how you did it. Um don't know how you got every single one of you guys back in the facility. But the senior class is, I mean, by far in a way, the, the best senior class in the FCS right now. Just give the audience uh, a peek behind the curtains just a tad on what that was like. Like how you guys spoke when you guys got together. What did you do to realize, all right, we need to run this thing back? There was a lot of, you know, announcements later, but you could just kind of feel the joy everybody had being around each other. You know, I guarantee you if Caleb Sanders had another year, Caleb Sanders would be back here again. Mm -hmm. Like no question about it, no ifs, ands, or buts. Just the, the brotherhood here. I mean, it's, it's not something you want to leave behind. And Quinn, you, you share those same feelings? <clears throat> yeah, I mean, these are my, I've been here a little longer than Brian. So like these, these are my best friends for the past four and a half years. Um, You know, I was already planning on uh, coming back, but you know, we got some dudes in the team who could have went to the league or tried to shot the league and they decided to come back because of, you know, just what we have around here with the brother, with the brotherhood. Exactly. Having a chat here with Quentin Hicks and Brian Williams, two defensive linemen for the South Dakota State Jackrabbits. And alongside them, of course, is Mr. Chris Shankle. Defensively, you guys uh, wreak havoc each and every week. Number two total defense in the country, giving up four and a half yards per play. You've given out nine touchdowns on the season. It's week eight. You've given up nine touchdowns on the season. You're giving up 260 a game. Most of those yards coming, I'd imagine, in garbage time when you guys aren't even in on the field. What's working so well for you guys right now on the defensive side of the ball? I think we got a lot of depth. You know, at D-line, we play, what, nine defensive linemen. We play five, six linebackers. So, you know, you can send guys out there fresh. I think that's our biggest advantage, and that's also – a testament to our leadership, you know, no matter who's going in, they're going to be ready to go. Yeah, I would say the same thing, you know, just the depth that we have. I mean, there's a lot of guys that don't even get on the field that are, that could be on the field, you know, they're dogs. And, you know, it's like, a, you know, K. Trevere said this in his interview preseason, like, it's just like a shotgun, you just keep reloading it, you know. <laughs> like a shotgun, you keep reloading it. That's a, that's a quote there from Brian Williams. Hey, I'm going to put that one out there on social media. It's like a <laughs> shotgun, you just keep reloading it. Hey, listen, I played quarterback, so of course, I'm going to find a way to force a mark question in there. You guys know that, should have already expected it. Mr. Gronowski. What's he mean to this football team? Both of you guys go. I mean, he's just a leader. I think you've seen a Montana State game, but Roger said it, the, the guy's clutch. You know, there's not a lot of things that show up on the stat sheet that he does, but he's one of them guys, one of one. Mark's a dude. Um, you've seen the numbers dude puts up with the weapons he has, but like 
my thing with Mark is Mark is one of my best friends. You know, I Mark is the quarterback of the number one team in the country, but he's still one of my best friends I hang out with all the time, and he's an even better guy. So that's what I really respect about Mark. These guys here, Brian Williams, Quentin Hicks, taking on Southern Illinois this Saturday. It's homecoming for the dogs. You know, what stuck out on film? Is this a game that you guys treat differently or just another day in the office? Quentin, I'll start with you. I'll go with with uh, the quarterback. You might have a little little another short quarterback they used to have that I used to play against called Stone. You know, reminds me of that guy a little bit. He's he's a dude. He, he can move around the pocket. Got a good arm, so that's what really stuck out. And they're got got some fast wide receivers too. Yeah, what pops out on film for you, Brian? Uh, I mean, that's how you just a great football team in general. You know, uh, can't wait to play them. Um, confidence level in the facility right now, this game, one through 10. I mean, you know, never going to go into the game, not being confident. Okay. Yeah. So it's I a think 10. every team in the country, Southern Illinois, no matter who we're playing, they're going to say the same thing. Confidence is a 10. Confidence is a 10 straight up. Hey, just no beating around the bush. I love it. Hey, Mr. Brian Williams, Quentin Hicks, two defensive linemen for the Jacks joining us. And like I mentioned shortly ago, Mr. Chris Shankel, the managing partner up there in Sioux Falls. Let's talk a little bit about Alex Eliminates and got a few more for you guys here before we wrap this thing up. How cool is it for you guys just being by yourselves and playing the sport that you love that you can impact thousands? thousands of children's lives by raising awareness and funds for childhood cancer awareness. You know, as we talk about it and as you sit here and just just harp on some of the things that you're able to provide, is it something that when you were a child, you knew that this is something that you wanted to do or has this snuck up on you? I never thought of that when I was younger. Um, I did have a friend on my wrestling team back when I was 10. He had he had pancreatic cancer, actually. Luckily, he survived it um, and we, we did have some fundraisers for him. So I did I didn't know that I enjoyed doing that and, and you know, trying to help as much as I can but not to the extent that Alex made stand has, has offered me. I love it. And Brian, why Northwestern Mutual? Like what about Northwestern Mutual stands out and is going to stick with you forever? Uh, I would say, you know, you want to find an opportunity whenever you're done playing ball or, you know, anything like that that you can compete in. And, you know, one thing about Northwestern Mutual is you get your numbers at what you did in activity, uh, sales, everything. You get that every day. You know, it's sent out every day through the email and just the accountability and the brotherhood that's there. Like everybody's picking each other up like, hey, we got to work on this. You got to work on your language here. You know, just the brotherhood that Northwestern Mutual offers is what I look forward to. Quinn and Brian, I want to ask one question. What's harder? Five minutes before? What's more nerve wracking? Five minutes before a national championship came or calling Mrs. Big? Which one? Which one's more nerve wracking? Five minutes before national championship or calling Mrs. Big? So I actually, I, I told Chris this, Brian and I both did. Calling like that client that, you know, is going to be potentially be a big one it is no it is rushed like no other you know we've ran out that tunnel um both of us he's played national championship twice and i have two it's it's nothing like it um i would say i would say they're both about 9.5 on how hard your heart's gonna be beating yeah i would say they're both up there it's almost like a little different though you know you're trying to sell yourself to a client and provide value in their life and trying to get them to understand that is just like I don't understand. It's just like a different rush. Just a different rush. It speaks to the competitiveness that this initiative kind of brings to the forefront, right? We want people to donate. And what I want everybody out there to do is go to fcsstationradio.com. Right on the right side of the screen, there's a landing page. It says Alex's Lemonade's in. If you click on it and you click on donate, if you want to just check the rankings, click on it. And what's going to come up is Mr. Quinn Hicks' name and Mr. Brian Williams' name. And that's where you can go to donate. That's where you can learn more about the cause. That's what I want you guys to do. But for Quinn and for Brian, what I want you guys to do is kick some ass this weekend i appreciate you guys so much for giving the show some time this week thank yeah you. thank you for having us and chris i appreciate you for bringing these guys on board and into my life because all it's gonna do is make everybody around them better and of course like we had mentioned raise awareness for childhood cancer and everything that northwestern mutual is about thank you thank you fellas
Welcome back to FCS Nation on the Palmetto Radio Networks. Now time for the pick segment, my favorite time of the week. It's where Stone LeBan and Woods and I go head-to-head and pick the biggest games taking place all over FCS Nation this week. Number one, South Dakota State is at number nine, Southern Illinois. I'm not picking this game, Kev. I want to see a war, though. Southern Illinois is the team in question here. I think we all know what to expect from the Jacks. I'm not picking this game. I just want to see a war. Stone, who are the Salukis? It's kind of late to be asking that question, I think, y'all. The Salukis do have Nick Baker, and I think that they try and make this into a track meet. The number two defense and all the FCS, South Dakota State Jackrabbits, they ain't going to permit that sort of action. Take number one, South Dakota State, on the road over number nine, Southern Illinois, 30-24. to 24. Number two, Montana State is at number eight, Sacramento State. I like Montana State here, at least by double digits. I think the Bobcats get out of this one 35-23. to 23. Second of our three matchups between two top ten teams, Montana State's going to do what they do, y'all. They're going to line up, run the damn ball right at you again and again and again, and then they're going to do it one more time just for good measure. I don't think the Hornets going to be able to stop them, and I don't think the Hornets have enough offense here to run away with it either. So I just don't see very much of a way for Sac State to win this one. Take number two, Montana State on the road over number eight, Sacramento State, 28-13. Number 13, Furman is at number four, Western Carolina in the FCS Nation Radio Game of the Week. Give me the catamounts, duh. This is where I'm going here. Love Western Carolina, Desmond Reed or not. Here's the thing. This is one of those games where, of course, in my opinion, that one of the teams can't play from behind. And I think Furman is that team. If Western Carolina jumps out to a 14-0, you know, a a 3-21, a 17-0 lead, like Furman does not have the ability to get back in this game. And I think that's what happens here. If Furman wants to muck it up and make this thing really ugly, yeah, they'll beat Western Carolina by just grinding past them. But Western Carolina is going to score and score at will and score in a hurry. And if they do that, I don't think Huff's quite built to throw the ball around the yard and put, you know, 75-yard drives together when they need it. So I like Western Carolina in this game, 42-20, to blowout fashion. Not me, sir. This one here is the de facto Southern Conference Championship game. Contrasting styles, excellent QB play, star running backs, and offensive weapons are everywhere in this matchup. Those things will matter, but not as much as the defense, and I think the Paladins have the better group and that they will win. Take number three, Furman on the road of number four, Western Carolina, 34-31. Number five, South Dakota State is at Indiana State. I got the Yotes here, 40-7. to This is a no contest here. Indiana State does nothing that will scare Aiden Bauman and the rest of that South Dakota squad. 40-7 to the finish. The Yotes start fast, and they finish that way, too. Sycamores are 0-6, but they aren't just mailing it in. They'll fight you. They don't have nearly enough for South Dakota. Take number five, South Dakota to cut down the trees, 35-10. to Number six, North Dakota is at Northern Iowa. I think North Dakota wins this game, not by much, though, 28-24. Here I go again. Here I go again. Uh, I think you and I have a chance to keep this game close. Um, hopefully they don't make me look like an idiot. I got the Fighting Hawks winning this game, though, 28-24. And the Fighting Hawks back up their huge win over the Bison last week on the road at Northern Iowa. It's late October, and we all know spooky things happen in that dome in late October. If North Dakota doesn't win, then that big victory over NDSU last week is no bigger than a minna in a fishing pond. I believe the Fighting Hawks get it done. Take number six, North Dakota on the road over Northern Iowa, 38-35. Number 10, Delaware is at Hampton. This is a snooze fest. Hampton's not a good football team. Uh, Delaware, they win this game 45-8. to Not much to see here, I don't think. The Blue Hens continue to do what good teams do. 
which has handled their business against inferior opponent. Take number 10, Delaware, on the road over Hampton, 42-24. Lafayette is at number 14, Holy Cross. Yeah, Holy Cross is going to punish these guys. I, I think this finish is uh, by a wider margin than a lot of people think. Considering, including yourself, Kevin, I don't think you think Holy Cross wins this game by a lot, but I do. 37-14, Holy Cross. With that one loss by Harvard, I, I think this team's had a chance to dial everything back and, and readjust their expectations, and whoever lines across from them i don't pity them all right stone we've been doing this show together now for almost two seasons and we hung out a little bit we've become good friends you should know better than to try to climb in my skull bro because i i think it's going to be worse than what you think leopards are a decent team with a five and one record but holy cross cannot afford to play with their food here their playoff position depends now on dominating their patriot league opponents i believe they will here take number 14 holy cross over lafayette 42 17 well played Western Illinois is at number 15, North Dakota State. Yeah, I think Western Illinois scores as many points here as a minna in a small, giant fishing pond. <laughs> <laughs> That's great, Stone. That's great. That's great. Uh, North Dakota State is going to kick their ass here. I, I think they narrowly cover the spread 55-7 to here. Western Illinois is going to find the end zone, though. Man, I'd hate to be the Leathernets this week. The Bison take out their frustrations on Western Illinois, 42-3. to Stone, this is a prime example that you just got to get through the preview segment and get to the pick segment, right? Because our job in the preview segment is to preview the game and what could happen, not what we think is going to happen. And I think this one will be the Bison, 42-3. to Number 16, Incarnate Word is at McNeese. Um, Incarnate Word gets out of here, 24-13. to is this the week the word finally looks like a team that deserves the ranking that others are giving them? I don't think so. In week eight, I believe that you are who you are. They'll win, but I just don't believe that they're that team this year. Take number 16, Incarnate Word, on the road over McNeese, 24-10. East Tennessee State's at number 17, Chattanooga. Chattanooga wins this one 30-10. Not much to see here. The Buccaneers are not good, and the mocks have gotten better each week. Way too much on both sides of the ball for ETSU to handle. Take number 17, Chattanooga over East Tennessee State, 38-13. Illinois State's at number 19, Youngstown State. I like Youngstown State. Uh, I think I like them more than a lot of people around the country. Uh, you're pretty high on them yourself. I think the Penguins win this game 38-20, but they're really balanced. I think they've gotten the results, the impressive results that people didn't quite expect at the beginning of the season. Uh, I know they were floating in and out of people's polls, but this Youngstown State team is pretty damn good in my opinion. They'll win this game by 18. This is an opportunity for Illinois State here. They've been hanging around, almost getting into our top 25 of all season. I believe this is the week they make a move. My upset special of the week, take Illinois State over number 19, Youngstown State, 24-23. That brings us to the end of another episode of FCS Nation on the Palmetto Radio Network. FCS Nation is co-hosted and produced by Mr. Stone Labanowitz. I'm executive producer and host Kevin Marshall, thanking you for making FCS Nation a small part of your football week. And like I always do, y'all, I'd like to remind you that life's a lot like football. You play by the rules and the penalties won't kill you. Until next week, so long, everybody. You're listening to FCS Nation on the Palmetto Radio Network.